It's a song that I remember singing in youth camp, both as a youth and as a counselor. And it goes with today's message beautifully. Give me oil for my lamp, keep it burning. Give me oil for my lamp, I pray. Give me oil for my lamp, keep it burning. Keep it burning till the break of day. And it has a chorus that goes, Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King. Y'all know that song, don't you? No. Grump, grump. It has other verses like, Make me fishers of men, keep me searching. Give me joy in my heart, keep me praising. Give me peace in my heart, keep me resting. Give me love in my heart, here, keep me serving. And then, of course, it has those verses that have been added by youth over the years. Give me wax for my board, keep me surfing for the Lord. Give me wax for my board, I pray, gnarly dude. Give me coffee in my cup, lift him up, up, up. That's for the youth counselors on the next morning, absolutely. Give me beans for my burrito, I thank God is really neato. Give me gas for my Ford, keep me trucking for the Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> and on and on and on. Regardless of how you look at it, however, we are in need. We are in need of oil for our lamp. Why? The story that Jesus tells seems to be pointing to an end time event. In fact, when I first read the passage, I thought to myself, am I wearing the right color stole for today? It ought to be purple. This feels like an Advent reading. Advent is the season of the year in which we begin to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. And Advent is divided into two halves. The first half of Advent, the first two Sundays of Advent, looks to the second coming of the Messiah, to the return of the Messiah, to the return of Jesus at the end of time, whenever that may be. And then after the second Sunday, when you move to the third Sunday, you switch gears and you stop looking forwards in time and you start looking back to celebrating the first coming, the incarnation of Jesus as a baby in Bethlehem of Judea, the, the coming, the first coming of the Messiah. So Advent is a time of expectation, of preparation, for seeing first the second coming, and then halfway through it we switch to looking back to the first coming. All right? But throughout all of it, it's a time of getting ready, a time of being prepared, a time of making sure that you are truly ready, observant, awake, and ready to enter into the glorious celebration that is to come. This reading really smacks of an Advent theme here. It really speaks to a time of being ready, of being made ready, of being wakeful and wakeful as you wait. So what does it say? What are the elements of the story? Well, you have the bridesmaids. Now, the Greek word here is parthenos, or parthenoi, plural. And parthenos means 
young virgin, a young woman who's just on the cusp, just about ready to be able to conceive a child, but not yet quite there. On the cusp of it, but not quite there. That's what Parthenos means, and that's what's being used here. And in the ancient world at this time, in Hebrew time, they, they, would, they would use these, these young maidens, these, these bridesmaids, to come and help welcome the bridegroom as he approached for the wedding feast. They would go out and line the approach to the, to the chamber or to the tent or to the house where they would have the celebration. And they would hold lamps, oil lamps, to welcome the bridegroom in. This would be their job. And it says that these virgins or these bridesmaids, they go out. And five of them go out wise because they took a flask of oil with them. And five go out foolishly without a flask of oil, without extra oil. All they have is the oil that's in the lamp. No extra oil. And unfortunately, and it doesn't say why, perhaps due to high traffic, I don't know why. Maybe there was an accident on the interstate, I'm not sure why, but the bridegroom is delayed. And so they get sleepy and they fall asleep. And when the call comes out that the bridegroom is there, look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Those who were not wise, those who were foolish, discover their lamp's oil had run down. And as the wise ones topped off their oil, filled up their lamps with the extra oil they brought, and trimmed the wick and got it ready to burn bright again, the foolish ones said, give us some of your oil so that we can have lamps that are lit too. Well, no, they said. No, the wise ones said. There will not be enough for you and for us. And I often thought that response was rather, you know, cheap of them. Come on, where's your grace? You ought to be giving to the foolish ones, right? Well, that's not what it says. No, there will not be enough for us. You had better go. Go to the dealer's. And buy some for yourselves. So what are these elements here? Who are these bridesmaids? These virgins? And what's this about? Well, pretty much universally, and it's the only thing that's universal about this story, pretty much universally, interpreters have seen these bridesmaids, these virgins, as us. All Christians, all believers, us. We are the bridesmaids. We are the ones who are there to welcome in the bridegroom. We are the ones there to welcome in the groom, to celebrate, and to enter into the great festive party at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We are the ones who are to greet the coming groom. We are the ones to stand there with our candles, our, our lamps brightly lit, and welcome in the bridegroom. That's us. We're supposed to be these Parthenoi, these bridesmaids, these young virgins. And we're two, two groups, the wise ones and the foolish ones. Those who came prepared for a long wait with extra oil and those who came with nothing but their lamp with the oil that was in it. 
And that divides us into two halves. Those who come prepared and those who don't. More specifically, those who come with their oil. So what is the oil and what's the lamp? Lots of debate, lots of interpretation, lots of disagreements throughout the centuries on the interpretation of the lamp and the oil. Martin Luther said that the oil was faith. John Wesley said that the lamp was faith, that the, that the light shining forth from the lamp was faith, and that the oil was God's love, God's grace that empowers the lamp, that empowers the flame, that gives the flame its brightness and keeps it alive, that feeds the flame of faith. John Wesley said that you had to have the lamp of faith and the oil of grace of love to fuel it. And those who came with flasks, came with the extra oil, came ready for the long wait, continually, continually accessing the grace of God, continually reaching for, appropriating and using, continually reaching out to access the love and grace of God. And those who came without the flasks, those who came without the extra oil, they were the ones who came and did nothing. Did nothing to access extra oil. In fact, they were sleeping along with those who had extra oil. They were sleeping when they could have been out buying extra oil. And that tells us that there's no time like the present to be actively seeking God's grace. So what's this story tell us? If we are the, bride, uh, uh, the, the, the bridesmaids, if we are the virgins, the bridesmaids, and if the lamp is our faith burning brightly, and the oil is God's love, what does this tell us? It tells us that there is a danger in thinking you've got it all figured out, that you've got all that you need, that you don't need anything else, that you can just sit back and snooze, that you can sit back and relax and let other people do the work, that you can sit back and relax and do nothing, that you can be a pew potato and do nothing. No, my brothers and sisters. Pew potatoes get mashed if they sit there too long. No. There are many ways to bring extra oil. There's one very important one right here. What is this? It's the Bible, absolutely. It even says Holy Bible on it. It's the Word of God written in words of human beings. It contains the Word of God. The Holy Scriptures are a source of oil, a source of love, a source of grace, a source of peace. I am never more hungry and thirsty for the grace of God and my 
candle is never more weak, is never dimmer, is never weaker than when I fail to read, to immerse myself in, to study the Word of God for myself. The danger I have, the danger all pastors have, is that we will open the Bible and study it only for the purpose of getting ready to preach or getting ready to teach. There are times I will go through weeks where the only time I'll open the Bible and read it is when I'm getting ready to preach. I'm using the Bible as a tool, as an instrument for my job, not for spiritual growth not to feed the lamp of faith, not to fill the reservoir of oil, of grace that I need, but to do my job. I am never more thirsty. I'm never more hungry. I am never more weak in my faith than when I neglect the Scriptures. When I neglect prayer, there's a temptation among preachers to not want to pray. You'll see me do this at times. We get a whole bunch of pastors together for lunch. And what do we do? We all sit down and then we go, <clears throat> and the one to get their thumbs up last has to pray. <laughs> I'm serious. So you'll sit down, you try to get you know, through the line at whatever it is, where we're, you know, the buffet that we're eating at, and we go and we sit. And then it's just like you can't do your thumbs until everybody's seated. And then the, everybody gets seated and suddenly, whoop! And the person to get them up the last have to pray. They have to pray. Why? Because we don't want to. We got to pray all the time anyway. We got to pray grace. We got to pray at church. We got to, oh, we got to pray for people. We're tired of it. How sad. How sad. How horribly sad is that? Prayer, the scriptures, the singing of hymns, fellowshipping together. Last night was wonderful. The chili cook-off was fabulous. I'm still suffering from some indigestion, having been a judge for the winners. But it was wonderful. Had a fabulous time. And guess what? Even though I might have been a little bit, I don't know, not certain I wanted to come. I mean, I don't want to spend my Saturday that way. Oh, I had a wonderful time. Lots of laughter, lots of fun. Lots of conversation. Fellowshipping together is a way of getting that oil for the lamp. Service. Feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, reaching out a hand to help as the hand of Jesus for another. That's a way of filling your oil. That's a way of stocking up on the oil of God's grace, of God's love. The means of grace, the instruments of grace, Holy Communion. Even when I am presiding weekly, as I do here on Wednesdays, even when I'm presiding weekly at Communion, I need to go someplace else Find someplace else to receive as a parishioner, just like you. Receive the sacrament. So I go every week to another church on a Friday where they have a communion service. 
and I partake of the table of the Lord because I need to fuel, I need to fill the well of God's oil in my life. And when I fail to go, or when other events or other things get in the way, my brothers and sisters, I thirst and I hunger. I feel it deep down inside. So neglecting scripture, neglecting prayer, neglecting worship and fellowship, neglecting service, neglecting all the means of grace, neglecting Holy Communion, neglecting the means of grace is a way to fall asleep and let your oil in your lamp run out. And when your oil in your lamp has run out, you're in trouble when the bridegroom comes. You're in trouble when the groom approaches. You are in trouble when Jesus comes. If your oil has run out, you're doomed. Look at what happens. And while they went to buy it, you really can't go buy God's grace. If you've let it run out, it's too late. While they went to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, who had oil in their lamps, because they'd brought extra, because they maintained the connection with the source of oil, went with him into the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I do not know you. Ooh, I don't think I like that. Shouldn't the, shouldn't the groom have opened the door and let them in? Truly I tell you, I do not know you. I've had people come to the door and knock on the door, you know, they'll come up and you answer the door and there's somebody standing there, usually in a white shirt and a tie, and they say, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Or have you found Jesus? One day I was unpacking in Wichita Falls at the parsonage. I'd just gotten there. This is back in 96, I think it was. Just gotten there and my mom and dad were there to help me unpack. And somebody came and knocked on the door and I went and opened the door and it was somebody in a white shirt and tie. And they says, have you found Jesus? And I said, just a minute. I turned around and says, hey, mom, hey, dad, somebody out here is looking for Jesus. Have you found him? <laughs> we get cynical at times about messages like that. We get cynical at times thinking about having found or having met or knowing Jesus. This passage speaks about the more important reality of making sure that He knows you. Of having had that life of faith. Of having had that life filled with the oil of God's grace. Of having had that life of preparation and waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. Being ready with your lamp burning. Your faith burning bright for others to see and know. It's not so much you knowing Jesus as it is Jesus knowing you. 
If you don't partake of the means of grace, if your oil isn't filled up, if you don't come with that extra flask, if you don't partake of all the wonderful sources of spiritual oil that God has for you, then when He comes, He will say, truly I tell you, I do not know you. That's the warning that Advent gives us. The first two Sundays of Advent warns us to be ready. To be ready for the coming of the King. To be ready for the coming of the Messiah. To be ready for the return of our Lord. And as we come to the end of this year and get ready to move into Advent, I think it's interesting the Scripture gives us this calling, this passage, this encouragement, and this warning. We're called to be ready. We're called to have our taps into that source of oil, that source of grace, that source of love, so that our lamp of faith might burn bright for all to see. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. listening to a sermon by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of the First United Methodist Church in Commerce, Texas, and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2014 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information and for other sermons by Dr. Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at First United Methodist Church, 1709 Highway 24, Commerce, Texas, 75428. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.